0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of Grace in the Gray. I'm Rick, joined by Sam and Jordan as we continue our conversation that we started last week. And so I also want to kind of kick it off with the same disclaimer that we opened with last week. As we continue to examine dating and relationships, there may be some content in this discussion that might not be appropriate for uh, all ages. And so if you're riding around listening in the car and you got little ears in the back, it may be a good idea to pause this and turn it on later. Um, but just like always, we're going to try to speak into some of the gray of our culture and inform it with the and White of Scripture. So thanks for joining us, and I'll kick it over to Sam.
1: Thanks, Rick. All right, so we're talking about relationships. Um, Jordan, I have a question for you. So what surprised you the most about marriage?
2: Ooh. All right, I got a silly one and then a serious one. The silly one, which I I talk about this a lot, um, growing up, we had a house full of boys I mean obviously my mom's a girl but I don't see her as a girl because she's my mom. Um, But I wasn't prepared for this but the amount of hair that is in my house. uh, It's everywhere. Yeah, It's literally everywhere. It's literally everywhere. It's. I mean I wake up and it's like on my face somehow. Um, I go in the pantry. It's on our food, in the refrigerator, on my towels. I think it's starting to come out of the drain when I'm taking a shower. Like it's It's insane.
1: Lauren's going to love
2: this so much. I've publicly shamed her numerous times. d going to shut your house down. I've publicly shamed her numerous times, but that honestly, I mean, it is silly, but it's also true. I just didn't expect it. Uh, That's my silly one. The serious one was, I I think, and we talked about this a little bit, I think because of the culture that we live in, just this lovey-dovey, rom-com, like, We just idolize love so much that we think, hey, all the things that are important to marriage for us to grow in intimacy and grow in our relationship, like it just comes organically. And I think I had that mindset coming into it, but really like anything, whether it's going on a date or just making time for each other or like actually sitting down and eating at the table, like because of just the busyness of life those things don't come organically like if you try to wait for it to happen organically it's just never gonna happen um but I think you you have to be intentional and plan which Lauren and I we've been married this year will be six years six years seven years get it right oh, oh, my gosh. call out her hair and well, then right get now the six right now we're at six we'll be seven this year sorry um but yeah, I, I mean, like we've had to be intentional, which we've done good in some areas and bad in others, which we like talk about a lot and plan a lot, but it's like all in the queue right now that we just have to fire it up and actually do it. But I would say that's mine. I, I think being intentional and vigilant for intimacy, physical, emotional, spiritual, all of it, I, I don't think it comes organically. So what about you guys?
1: Mm-hmm. I think for me I was really surprised at how you're kind of thrust into the roles of husband and wife. You know, mm. you've been dating and you think you know what marriage is going to be like, but then all of a sudden, you know, you're both at work and you come home and it's like who's who's cooking dinner? Oh, I'm I'm cooking dinner. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> and I feel like um for me personally, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but there's like a tiny feminist living inside me. <laughs>
0: I'm not gonna do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so I you know, I I'm like, I, I work full time and you know, we have to share this, which I'm so incredibly blessed that I have a husband who is definitely a team player and can shout do out things to like Drew.
2: That. We love you, Drew. Big <laughs> so, fans. Big I guess fans that was here.
1: The big surprise is that, you know, these roles kind of exist for a reason and, and no matter I don't know. Things, you have to make the household work and no matter who does and it. And
2: it's also, too, like what I have to battle a lot of times is not saying, well, I did it last night, so you have to do it, right? But like working as a team and obviously like each person carrying their load and doing what naturally comes – like naturally, mm-hmm. I suck at laundry, you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, Lauren's never taken trash out. Like that's just not her thing. <laughs> Either we'll do the thing of let's stack as many things on top of the trash can before we take it out. And I can see you like twitching a little bit as yeah. I say that, Rick. Um, I'm kind of angry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, I think I think battling against that is is definitely important.
1: What about you, Rick?
0: Yeah, I think kind of like you said, Sam, and, I, and maybe kind of extrapolating and kind of almost combining the two. I think. You get thrust into those roles, and then there's this there's this whole piece of communication that I think everybody enters into marriage believing you're better at than you are, if that makes sense. And so we get thrust into these things, and then it, it really heightens the awareness of the importance for communication, and for me, it really heightened the awareness of how bad I was at it, and I think... Um, for Misty and I, a lot of maybe our early, I don't know if fights is the right word, but confrontations, however you want to word it, were built on these things that were just kind of slowly building that nobody ever spoke to. And so there was almost this, I don't know if inability is the right word, but this just kind of, we didn't speak things out. And so the tendency that these bunch of little tiny things, the top of your trash can, if you will, that stuff just kind of builds, 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 builds. And then all of a sudden it turns into this, Huge thing that was that was
2: all caused by the
0: fact that it wasn't.
2: You put the frozen pizza box on top of the pyramid and it all crumbles. It all all comes down and it's it's been there.
0: And it's all caused by the fact that like we didn't have what what should have been a series of twenty or thirty probably relatively simple conversations and waited until it become a very difficult emotionally charged conversation. And I think I wasn't ready for how much. Communication you'd have to do if that makes sense but not just in terms of like like the quantity but the quality of it and how much the little things not communicated about have a tendency to become big things and I don't think that's a you can't assign that to a gender right? Like I don't mm-hmm. think that, that, that happens just for women or for men I think it's both of those things that feelings kind of build and weld and if not validated or dealt through then it explodes and it does kind of become that pizza box on top that, that brings the whole thing crumbling down I don't yeah. think I was ready for that but
2: yeah and I think that That's something even seven years in, it's something we still have to work through because it, even in premarital counseling, that was something each of us are coming into marriage and then even the longer you're together, there's expectations that you have daily. And so it's one of those where it's like, if those are, you think about them, you know, like what you're saying, you and Misty, like y'all think about the expectations you have, but actually communicating them is completely different, but actually communicating them yeah. Helps out
0: a ton. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing that's a big everyone is, and this is just a default that I don't think people realize. Everyone is really good at communicating with themselves, right? Like I think you're really good at speaking to yourself, and I don't mean hopefully not like roaming around doing that outwardly, <laughs> out loud. Uh, that's a completely different topic for a completely different day. But like, I am I'm. Am, I'm comfortable communicating what I need to hear in the way that I need to hear it, but that doesn't mean that I was necessarily immediately able to communicate with Misty in the way that Misty's heart and mind and all of that could perceive what I was communicating and how I was communicating it, because I was communicating with Misty how I would communicate with Rick, not how Misty needed to hear it. And I think as you enter into that, like you cross that threshold, and it's like that moment's really quick, but you don't realize Hey there's a lot of things that you have to bring with you across that and that's one of those big things for me is like I have to speak to her in a way that 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 promotes how she can hear that she that she can hear and she can respond and she she feels communicated with and valued and a part of the process because I mean everybody knows me you were talking about me getting mad like I'm just type A project oriented and so it's like just take the trash out fold the laundry do this stuff and it wasn't like hey, we're a team and I love you and I want this to work well and I want us to both feel validated and those kind of things. And my wife needed a lot more of those and, and I wasn't good at it. And I think there's still, just like you said, there's moments I'm still not very good at it, but trying to figure out, okay, how do I communicate this in a way that not doesn't get me what I want, but puts us on the same page for our team to be successful?
2: Yeah. And I think, I think that's an it brings an important thought, because I think that's what love is, the five love languages. Mm-hmm. It's this idea of like—and I would encourage—I it. it I think it's super important to, you know, use that as a resource or just as an activity or a practice for your, your marriage, um, because I think a lot of times, you know, whether you're—I can't remember the five. It's physical touch, words of affirmation.
1: Acts of service.
2: Acts of service. Gifts.
1: hmm What's quality, the Do you say quality time? Quality, quality time. time.
2: That's yeah. what it is. And so, like— if naturally i'm physical touch or i'm quality time or whatever it is i think we think love is well i receive love this way so i can give it this way and they'll feel it but if you have if you have a spouse who there's this words of affirmation and you never tell her like hey i love you or hey i really appreciate you doing this or hey i love this part about your personality they're never going to feel loved and so i think that's in in terms of communication and in terms of intimacy i think it's you know we talked about this last episode is studying the person in a dating relationship but ultimately in a marriage you're continuing to learn about that person because there's so many different things that that happen ups and downs of life that change you as people um, where you're always learning you never stop learning about your spouse and so I think learning how they receive love is is super helpful um, I guess a I guess a question from that. Um, like I said, I've been married seven years. How long have y'all been married? Not y'all together, but I mean, I, I, said, I said it like that, but I didn't mean it. That uh, Misty and I will be nine in July. Congrats, man. What about y'all?
1: We will hit 10 in April.
2: Wow. I
1: know.
2: That's good. You made it kind of face like you didn't know what it was. So I'm I'm happy that you remembered because I forgot earlier. <laughs>
1: no, I'm just excited. Yeah,
2: good. Good. <laughs> you should be excited. That's awesome. Um, And so I guess what I'll ask is, so Sam, you're almost at 10 years. Rick, you're, almost, you're at nine. You said this year's nine. And then I'll be at seven. Um, What's one thing the now version of you would tell the version of you that was there right before you got married. Like, what's a one piece of advice? What's a word of encouragement?
1: My advice to myself would be learn to cook <laughs> <laughs> because I still don't know. <laughs> still nothing. <laughs> no. Um,
2: what's but, your What's your go to? Like, you like have full confidence. Do you have a meal like that or
1: breakfast for dinner?
2: Okay, hey, that works. <laughs> it gets it done. I thought you were going to go
0: with, like, DiGiornos. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. yeah. <laughs>
1: That's a regular. Yeah, uh, But, no, seriously, Um, I think I am I'm lucky in that it all worked out, but we didn't talk about what we wanted our family to look like. Mm. We didn't sit down and say, do you want kids? Yes or no. When we have kids, will you go to work or will you be a stay-at-home mom? How many children do you want? So— by the grace of God, it all worked out and we were on the same page. But um, I think that it doesn't always work out that way for some people. So have that conversation for sure.
2: Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, you even look at it, I I didn't really think about this until I was in it, is like, you look at any business or even like a church, you look at a church and they have a mission and vision and like a plan that they have and values that they have. But for some reason with families, we don't think that way. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like, I love you, you love me. It'll like, all work out. Yeah, it'll all work out. <laughs> well, and if you but think about love. it,
1: how soon do you need to have that conversation? How yeah. invested are you going to be in this relationship before you realize that you want two completely different things?
2: Yeah. And that's hard because it's it's almost too Like I remember being in premarital counseling and the guy who did it for us who officiated our wedding, like he's telling us stuff. And Lauren and I are like both, you know, these young I don't know. What do you want to do? But yeah, it's that. But then we're also like, yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. And then we're like thrusted into the moment (laughs) being married, and we're like, what the heck are we doing here? Yeah, and
0: I think this whole conversation echoes kind of what we talked about when we were talking specifically about dating before we crossed in this marriage of like dating with the end goal in mind, and then referring back to that, what we spent some time on last week was dating for clarity not intimacy right yeah. and getting that order right and it feels like we try to date people to make sure that this is someone that I'm somehow compatible with or worse like make decisions and cross that intimate line and then get to the get to the finish line if you will of the dating portion of your relationship where you get to marriage and then you realize I we have no clarity right like we haven't we haven't used this gift this this dating resource that we've been given to provide ourselves with clarity and you can get to the finish line and then realize oh man we don't you know, we're about to start a brand new race with no idea which direction yeah. to run. Mm-hmm. So I think that's good. Um, yeah. I think maybe for me, if I can just jump off, Sam, were you done? Here? Yep, Okay. All good. Um I think this is a weird one, and so I'm, I have to expound on it a little bit. Uh, I think I would tell, you know it's okay to fight. Um, like fighting like is— Like boxing gloves? Yeah, yeah. Like I think I entered into this, this idea of marriage with this kind of preconceived notion that like— if we were fighting or if things, like if we weren't always eye to eye, if we didn't always see things level. And it meant, it was indicative that our relationship wasn't working or that somebody was in the wrong and something needed to be fixed. But like I, I love, you know, as you study Ephesians 5 and you look at the roles of marriage and kind of a complementarian theology of what marriage is, I think the, the reality sets in that it's a mutual submission, um, first to Jesus and then to each other. And so I would say, If there's never any, I call them rough edges that feel like they're being grinded off, then I would almost be more concerned that we're not walking in what God called us to walk into, that it should be a little bit uncomfortable. And I think just like a ton of other processes in human life, sometimes it's the difficulty, whether it be exercising or whatever, it's those difficult moments of life where it – where maybe it feels like nothing's happening that are going to refine and produce the best fruit. Um, And so I think learning how to fight well, uh, we could probably do a whole different episode on that. We can almost certainly do a whole different episode on that, like fighting for the benefit of our marriage, not fighting for the benefit of self. And that comes again back to that mutual submission idea being, hey, sometimes, sometimes we need to push back because all of us are wired to at least be somewhat predisposed to be selfish, to be self-seeking, to be self-serving. And so as you enter into marriage, that has to go out the window to some level at the beginning of it. And so recognizing that, like I would, the younger me, I would go, hey, don't immediately begin looking for what you need to apologize for. Like, I think there's a moment for that. And I think there's certainly places that are for that. But where is this an opportunity for both of us to grow? And then ultimately? You know, I look at the scripture that says the two shall become one. Where is this an opportunity for our oneness to grow, to blossom into what God's calling us to be? So it's okay to fight.
2: Yeah, that's really good. There's a book that I've been reading. It made me think of it because you're talking about anger and conflict and that. It's a book called uh, The Voice of the Heart and it's by a guy named Chip Dodd. He's a therapist. And basically what he talks about is, because so often this is true for individuals. This is true in marriage. But a lot of the times our emotions, we're told a lot of times like, hey, put them to the side, like they're not always true, they're not always these things. But what he actually says is that we should, if we want to have fullness of life, meaning we want to have a full relationship with God, a full relationship with others, and a full relationship with ourselves, then we need to face our feelings head on. Um, and he actually says that there's eight feelings, and one of them is anger. And I thought it was really interesting, because a lot of times, like you said, if if we talk about anger, or talk about conflict, or talk about fighting, especially, in the confines of marriage, we see it as a negative thing. But he actually says that anger is good um, because it shows desire and passion. Um, I think what makes anger healthy or unhealthy is like you said, ultimately, the purpose of marriage is for, you know, the betterment of both people involved, not just one party over another. And I think anger, like that passion and desire that's making you angry and bringing that conflict, I think if it's for the betterment of you as a couple, I think it's good. And I think it should be embraced and it should be worked through. Um, And so you definitely made me think about that. Um, I think my answer to that question, and I think a lot of it, um, which a lot of, I know all of our audience isn't, they aren't Christians, or maybe they were Christians. They grew up in the church and have, you know, since left the church in in this season of life. But I think for me, I mean, I, my story is I, I grew up in church my entire life. I mean, I came out of the womb and I was <laughs> in children's choir, Awanas, VBS, like I was in all of it. And so my experience, what what I would go back and tell younger Jordan is. I think a lot of my experience in church especially around dating and relationships and even even sex and sexual purity. I think if you talk to the majority of Christians that grew up in the church and maybe even now too, but that grew up in the church, you know, 2000s, 2010s and even now, I think it's almost presented as, hey, the goal is to be a virgin when you get married. And and by the grace of God for Lauren and I that that was true. It was it was really difficult not to be that um like sometimes i tell people that i had friends in high school and i'm like listen like it's super difficult like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um but i think so often because we look at scripture and it says hey it's not just hey if you're a virgin then kudos to you you win but the goal is god calls us to be holy as he is holy and so virginity isn't the goal Holiness is the goal. Mm-hmm. And so there is a ton of things on both sides. Like if we could have Lauren here, she could she could talk to this too, because we both grew up in the church and and were informed in different ways. Um, but, I, but I think if I were told that virginity isn't the goal, it's holiness. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's a ton of things in terms of my dating relationships, like boundaries that I push. Like I could still say, well, hey, I didn't have sex, but if you look at our relationship, or the relationships that I had, there were boundaries that I pushed that weren't good and they didn't pursue holiness, or even in terms of lust or pornography or different things like that. I didn't realize how much of that would have an impact on my future relationship with my spouse. And then on the flip side of that, for Lauren, like she grew up and it was very much so we were told, hey, we know everything within you as a teenager wants to have sex, but you can't. And then it's like, well now you have a ring on your finger, have as much as you want. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, and how much, like we didn't realize how much of that would have an impact on our marriage. So really, if I could go back, and I mean, this would be true for the Jordan right before getting married, but then it, even if I could go back to teenage middle school jordan, i would I would almost give a a more biblical full view of sex, because it was more so given to us as like, hey, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, that, like you don't want to do that. It's gross. But really, you look at Scripture, it's a gift. Like, God gives it to us because He wants us to experience joy, but it's to be done in the confines of marriage. And so, I think for me, I, I think a lot of it would have to do with that, because going into it, we just had no idea... How both of our upbringings, though they were somewhat similar but also different, um, how much of that—and I think that's not just true for me. I think a lot of the people that you know I am in community with, um, even seeing it now with students, we just don't have a true view of sexuality, of sex, of any of that that goes with what God actually intended it to be. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, that's
1: and I think kind of to tie it in with um, maybe someone who doesn't believe or just maybe doesn't know. So the idea of um, treating your body as a temple, you kind of alluded to that. Um, I heard on a podcast one time that, um, you know, before Christ, the you had to go meet God at a temple. You had to go to a physical place to be in the presence of God. And it was reserved for the holiest of holies. But when Jesus came and died and the Holy Spirit came, now the Holy Spirit is in the believer. And so your body is now the temple. And I don't know, I guess I just needed to hear it explained in that way. Like there was a physical temple. Now yeah. there is no physical temple. So your body is the temple that houses the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that is why you want to keep it
2: holy. Yeah, for sure. And it, it, to even go, that that's a... That's a passage for myself um, in terms of you know fighting for sexual purity, for for myself, and then even for my marriage. That passage is one that I get to a lot because in that passage, Paul is actually saying, "Hey, flee sexual immorality," and, and he says that because, and right after that, he gives, "Hey, your body is a temple." But there's actually three things that he says that I constantly remind myself of, especially. In the culture that we live in, where it's basically like, "Hey, your body is your own. You can do whatever you want with it. You can cross as many boundaries as you want." Because I think if if a lot of us were honest, and a lot of the people that are listening right now, I think we try to flirt with that line of, "Hey, crossing that boundary, like How I want to get to the cliff. Yeah, can I get? I want to get as close as possible without actually crossing over." But that's not what Paul said. He didn't say, hey, flirt with sexual immorality. He says flee from it. But I think in terms of if we really do believe that, if if our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, I think three things that Paul gives us to remind us, he says that your body's not your own. It's not yours. You are you are created by a creator that has a purpose and and Yes, He puts you in confines that seem like they're limiting, but actually He tells us it's for our joy, it's for our good. He says that. He also says that you are bought with a price, that you are you are bought with a price of someone else's body. It's Jesus's. Um, and because of that, the third thing He says is we should seek to glorify God with our bodies, that we should seek to, through the way that we live our lives, through the way that... We live in relationships with others through dating relationships, whatever it is. We should seek to get as close to Jesus as possible and to look as much like Jesus as possible, and that's something we can't do on our own. We need Him, which that's the good news. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us that's guiding us each and every day.
0: Yeah, I think this is another one of those areas for me, this is we kind of round out that conversation on sexuality, is like it's another spot that communication is so crucial because, like you said, you and Lauren are from similar backgrounds and similar upbringing when it comes to that. But regardless of believer, non-believer, Christ follower, not a Christ follower, religious, not religious, I think this is one of those kind of central topics as we talk about sexuality that everyone is passionate about in some regard. And because of that, I think it's one of those things that, again, whether we're married or dating, is something that's got to be communicated about and that clarity has got to be pushed for. Because if not, I think this is one of those things that has the ability to deeply wound and to deeply hurt and to deeply scar a relationship if we're not careful. And so I think, regardless of what your preconceived notion is, regardless of your religious background or whatever it may be, I think there's there's a there's a biblical principle here that applies, and that's that's communicate. You know, yes. seek seek oneness with whoever you're in a relationship with. Um, for us as believers, it's oneness under Jesus and what He's done for us. And and you just so you just eloquently worded that. So I won't go all the way back into that, but. Um, if that's not you, I would say, man, communicate, um, talk about that, and and, and find that clarity. Um, it's, this is too important to not have it, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, this has been good, guys. Um, with our combined marriage experience, I feel like we spoke to things— <laughs> Pretty decently. We are not experts. We probably should have said that at the beginning. I
2: mean, I barely remembered how long I've been married. So (laughs) just put that (laughs) asterisk by everything I've said so Jordan didn't know
0: how many years he might not be married at the time of our next episode. Yeah, might not be. Yeah,
1: we'll see. So, um, you know, we talked about uh, a lot today, but one thing we didn't really talk about was the what ifs. What if you've already um, had a misstep? or you have crossed a boundary or there is some unresolved sexual sin in your life. So I'm really looking forward to talking about that on the next episode and then wherever the conversation takes us. Um, But thanks for listening today, guys. Um, Those show notes will be available. We'll have Jordan's regular book recommendation (laughs) and the Scripture references. Um, But thanks again for listening to the Grace in the Gray podcast, where we use the black and white of Scripture to speak truth into the gray areas of culture. We will see you in two weeks.